So have you ever had one of those moments in your life, maybe you went to prayer, and your prayer was this, God, what is your will for my life? Have you been there? You're asking that question. Maybe there's a decision that's in front of you. It's a financial decision. It's a job opportunity. Uh, Something's going on in your family. You're trying to figure out, God, what's your will here? What is it you want to do? And sometimes that answer feels like it's delayed or it's kind of clouded and you're going, man, Lord, what is it you want? What is it that, how you want to lead? To me, that's the exception. Because as I look through scripture, what I find is that God's will is so clearly evident of how he wants us to live. Like in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it was there at the end of the video. It says this, says, give thanks in all circumstances For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A short video we saw a moment ago reminds us that we have 86,400 opportunities every single day to give thanks, to do God's will for our lives. 86,000 opportunities to fulfill God's will for your life, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. The question I come to in my mind with that verse when it says, give thanks in all circumstances, in all circumstances, give thanks, in all circumstances, give thanks. Does it say for all circumstances? No, it doesn't say for all circumstances. That's not the command. You see, when you get a phone call on a Friday night that your aunt, who's like my mom, has now been rushed to ER. And there's a Thanksgiving dinner going on here about 15 minutes before it starts. And you get that phone call saying, hey, your aunt's at the hospital or in ER. What about that circumstance? How could I be thankful in that circumstance when there's a ministry event happening here that I have a role to play in? And I remember thinking, Lord, thank you that you're sovereign, that you're in control. God, thank you that your peace passes all understanding that I can, beyond what I can comprehend. God, Yeah, thank you for the body of Christ, their home church that's there with them right now, when I've got to be here. When I think about what it is to do God's will, to know about this, it isn't always easy, is it? In every circumstance, to give thanks, not for that circumstance, but in in that circumstance because of what God's doing Because that's what he says in his word is his will. Why why should we give thanks in all circumstances? I want to submit to you it's because God is good. God is so, so, so good. Doing God's will isn't always easy, but it's always good because he is good. Giving thanks uh, is such a good habit for us to have that I don't know if you knew this, but we have a holiday coming up this week. Two days that we get off. I mean, yes, it's the one holiday, but we usually have two days to enjoy that time of Thanksgiving. 
Since October 3rd, 1863, when Abraham Lincoln made his Thanksgiving proclamation, we've observed Thanksgiving on the last Thursday of every November in this country ever since. And friends, we have a holiday that I'm stoked about because that holiday is in keeping with God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I just praise God for that. So our focus this morning, we're going to be going in preparing for Thanksgiving. I think it's rather fitting. It makes sense to me. Uh, and turning our attention to actually one of the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. And in a moment, you'll see why this Psalm is a perfect Psalm for this day, for this time together, for us to look at with Thanksgiving this week. And as we look at it, what you're going to see is you're going to see six commands, six commands that are written in this word and in this passage of scripture. And you'll see, and we'll look at the five reasons why we should give thanks. So six commands and five reasons why we should give thanks. And after we explore the significance behind these commands and the reason for giving thanks, well, we're going to do that. We're going to give thanks. So if you have a Bible, man, I hope you do. Grab it. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Turn to that now, if you would. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. All right. So you should be there, maybe on your flat screen, whatever it is. Before we read this psalm, and we're going to read it in just a moment, um, I want you, this is why I like you to have your Bible open, (laughs) is I want you to notice something above verse 1 in your Bible. I'm going to give you a cue in just a second to say what you see above verse 1 under Psalm 100. What does it say? A A psalm of thanksgiving or a psalm for giving thanks. Hey! That sounds like a pretty appropriate psalm for us to look at, doesn't it? Do you know out of 150 psalms, this is the only psalm in all 150 that has this inscription? It's a a perfect psalm for us today to direct us to give thanks. And so what's what we want to do? I think it's so fitting as I think about Thanksgiving, and believe me, I'm thinking about some food, (laughs) I think about the, the gravy that I'll put with my mashed potatoes or the, the cranberry now as a grown-up that I like to go with my turkey that I hated as a kid or the coffee that goes with the pie. In other words, it's fitting that we give thanks, right? This just works as a passage of Scripture. So a psalm for giving thanks or a psalm of thanksgiving, here it is, Psalm 100. I'm reading today from the English Standard Version. It says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Do you feel the excitement in this passage, or is it just me? Because I just want you to know I haven't had any caffeine this morning. This is just normal Bill, okay? So um, I look at that, and I'm going, man, there's, there's some passion here. There's some excitement here. There's some direction here. 
It's not a give thanks, if you would, would you? You know, it, it's, there's some excitement. There's some energy here as the writer puts this out. You know, originally Psalm 100 was on a scroll, and it was unrolled, and the group that's in Israel will get to see how, kind of how that would work. And it was used in worshiping the Lord of the temple. So imagine gathering for a worship service, and that scroll is unrolled, and they read that, and the congregation follows, or the audience follows, the believers follow in suit of giving praise to God. Although extremely brief, Psalm 100 is a vigorous psalm. It's a psalm with action. It's a psalm that's called with a response on our part. Again, I go back to, if you've ever asked God, God, what is your will for me in Christ Jesus? Oh, to give thanks. That's what I know I can do and win every time in doing God's will for my life. That's the answer. In fact, there's six answers in here. In the worship of God, the psalmist presents six commands to all the earth. Let me just hit them real quick. Verse one, make a joyful noise, or your translation might have shout. I love that, getting to shout in church. Verse two, uh, uh, serve, or you might have the word worship. And also in verse two, it says come. Verse three, it says no. Verse 4, it says, enter, and also it says, give. In other words, there's action in these commands. It's not enough just to think about or ponder the idea of, it would be good to give thanks. It's actually called us to respond in action, to take action. I mean, I think about this, and I thought about years ago, uh, I don't know exactly when it was, but Emerson, my son, was probably you know six or so years old. I, I don't know what he was. At that point, and someone in our family gave him a nice, or it wasn't in our family. Yeah, scratch that from the record. It was someone, I think, at church, as I recall, who, who gave him a really nice compliment. I don't remember what the compliment was, but I do remember this. I remember as he heard this, this big smile comes over his face to hear that compliment, right? And at that moment, trying to be a good dad, I'm like, oh, uh, now would be a good time to say thank you. And he's like, oh, thank you, (laughs) right? Because there's a call to a response here. That's the idea of Psalm 100. There's a call to action, not just to sit there and be still or even to think about it. Should I say something back? No, there's a call to action here. There needs to be action. There needs to be a willingness to respond and not sit still. That's what the writer of the Psalms is writing to us. And so let's look at these commands a little bit more closely. The first one is this, make a joyful noise or shout. That's the first command that's given in the worship of God that the psalmist puts in here. In the Hebrew, it's the idea of raising a war cry. I imagine that like a football team before they're to take the field. Ah, that kind of idea. It's a loud noise. In other words, you're not going to miss it. To put it another way, you don't need a hearing aid, okay? You're going to hear this one. You're going to hear this shout. It's a joyful noise, not from the voice of the tone deaf, but from the collective voice it's like cheering fans. It's a sound of celebration and worship, not from a packed stadium. But did you notice what it says here? Make a joyful noise or shout to the Lord all the what? All the lands or all the earth. To understand the original, what the implication is on this, it's saying, give thanks to the Lord. Who's actually reading this and singing this? It's the Jews in the temple, right? But the earth is a reference to all the other people, us Gentiles, 
So it's not just at the temple that this is to be done. God is saying, I want everybody everywhere that is alive and aware of, I am the creator, you are to give thanks. It's the entire earth that is to be doing that. I love that idea. I don't know about you, but as a kid in church, growing up in the church, confession here, I got in trouble for talking during church. Did you ever get in trouble for that? The problem was, in many ways, is because I was being too loud because it disturbed others because I was too loud. I can do that, right? I want to submit to you, whatever you were talking about in church, in this setting of the worship of God, you're drowned out. Because the shout, the joy of giving thanks, it, it covers everything that you can't hear anything but that unified celebration and joy of making a joyful noise to the Lord. That's the first command. The second command is this, serve the Lord or worship the Lord, depending upon what translation you're working with today. In the Hebrew, it means to serve. It's to accomplish a work. In other words, there's a goal in mind here in what it's saying of serve the Lord. As you notice right now, we're in a worship service, right? We call this a worship service, so that's why the two words are there. Serving God through worship, it's our first response that we owe him. And notice how it says we're to worship the Lord. What does it say? With what? With singing or with gladness, right? In other words, there's a joy about going on here. There's an excitement going on here. There's something to celebrate like a kid's birthday. We're to do that with gladness. I thought about it this way. I was a kid growing up in, in, in the church, primarily as a little kid singing hymns, and we would sing something like, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And I remember as a kid looking around going, why are they like, Joyful, Joyful, We, you know what I mean? Have you been there? And I remember for the very short stint that I was in choir, I, did a, I was asked to do a five-word solo, I've never been asked since, Okay. But I was in choir for a while, and I remember the choir director telling us as we were up there singing something joyful about what it was about the Lord. He goes, hey, would you let your face know? Like, oh, wake up, face, right? And to let that know that. And so I'm just saying here that there is an instruction here in God's word that says, hey, serve the Lord, worship the Lord with gladness. There's an emotion there that we should be happy for who God is. The next command that I see here that are given, that's given this passage, is to come into his presence. Wow, we're to come into his presence. That's a command. It means to arrive, it means to go in and bring with you something. And here in verse two, it's coming here with singing, with singing, with glad singing, if you will. I love that idea there. Of, of coming in there with singing. Uh, as I thought about this, again, my mind just goes back to certain things I remember seeing as a kid. And before the world of ESPN came along, which Sports Center came along, there used to be this show on Saturday late afternoons, like four o'clock, called ABC's Wild World of Sports. Anybody ever see that? Remember that? That's how old I am. So uh, I remember seeing that, and they always had this opening with it, uh, with Jim McCain in, in the background saying, The thrill of victory and. Yes, and I want to submit to you that when we were to go to worship, we're not to go in there with the agony of defeat mentality. 
We're to go in there with the thrill of victory, of singing. Again, I am not, have no caffeine in my body. I'm just saying this is what I look at here. I'm going, hey, there's something exciting about this. That God wanted his people to come into his temple, to come into his very presence, excited, fired up, pumped up of that opportunity to worship him. Then the fourth command is know that the Lord, he is God. We're to know that. We're to take that as fact, as truth. It means to be aware in the original language. It means to be conscious of who God is. It is Yahweh the Lord, a name richly annotated, annotated with, by his words and his works. In other words, there's no other God to know. There's no other God to be concerned about. But you have in a polytheistic society where like, well, if we get too excited about this God, what about the other gods that we're going to? No, there's only one God. It is him. He is the one. Know that he is the Lord. He is God. Which brings us to the fifth command, enter his gates. This is the same Hebrew word used in verse 2 to come. But in this case, it's to enter with something. It's to enter with thanksgiving. It's to enter with praise. The simplicity of this invitation may conceal the wonder of it, but the courts are truly his. They are not ours. We're invited into his courts, into his place to worship him. God invites us to join him, not just in the outer courts, but inside. Literally the holy of holies, which back in the day was the, the, the priest, the high priest would get to go in there once a year for Yom Kippur. And God is saying now through, because of Christ's righteousness, as you look at through Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, we get to enter in all the time, not just once a year. We get to enter his gates at any moment to go to him in singing, in joyful song, in prayer. And so with this privileged invitation from God, the right response to him can only be one of thanksgiving, <laughs> one of praise that we can do this any time, that God invites us to go into it. Last command is to give thanks to him. To give thanks to him. In Hebrew, it means to express praise. It means to confess our gratitude to the Lord. It's there at the end of verse four, to bless him. So here's the commands. Make a joyful noise or shout, right? Shout, I love that. Serve or worship the Lord. Come into his presence. Know that he is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and give him praise. Six imperative commands. In other words, the idea there in the original language is that it's verbally being told to you. As you would read it, you would go, oh, that's like someone saying to me, whispering to me like I did my son. And I said, now would be a good time to give thanks. That's what God is saying here to you and to me. It's a verbal command. You see, unlike having your turkey dinner, where you just might possibly want to take a nap after all that. Have you been there when you feel drowsy? And you're kind of like, oh, man, I've ate so much, right? And we're kind of, kind of wiped out. I've been mentioning that I think we should view these commands as being caffeinated. In other words, that we're not drowsy. So I ask you to think for just a moment, what is your worship of the Lord like here on a typical Sunday? Do you come in here and worship him when Mark's leading us, when, when Allegra's singing to us, when Willow's singing to us, when the band is playing? Do you come in here and respond back to God in a drowsy manner? 
They would just love that. Huh, Kim, I can see that you're, she was singing up here. Yes, be drowsy. Just blah. Right? No, it's to be caffeinated. It's the response. They feed off you and you off them. There's something to be had here and something that we're to seize. Are you thinking to yourself as you come in here, are you saying, are you singing, thank you, Jesus? Are you conscious of these commands found in Psalm 100? Although extremely brief, Psalm 100, man, it is a vigorous psalm. It is a call to action. It is a call to respond to God. Again, if you've ever asked God, what is your will for my life? The psalm is given the answer just to give thanks to him. So I thought about that. Well, why? We get the commands, but why give thanks to God? Well, there's five reasons found in here that I want to touch on for a moment. Verse three is the first one. He made us. He made you. You are made in the image of God. Give thanks for that. God created you physically, each and every one of you. Mentally, the capacity you have to think, how your mind works, he made that. Emotionally, how you're wired, he made that. Spiritually, that you could be a spiritual being, a spiritual person, he made that in you. You are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, according to Psalm 139. And you are made to live forever with him. I love that. If you came about through evolution, who or what would you think? To me, it's a silly, silly question to even think about, well, who would you think of who you are that you were made by? (laughs) I go back surfing one day, many years ago, out in the water between sets. The cool part on that particular day for a little bit of the time I was surfing over the couple hours I was in the water is there were some porpoises. We also know them as dolphins, but porpoises here on the mainland West Coast. They were swimming in the waves. And so we're watching them go and, and leap and going around, and, and it was just so cool. I've had a few experiences with that. I can tell you more stories, but for right now, I just want to say this. This is what I remember from that moment. So here we are seeing these dolphins in the waves, right? And there's the stereotypical surfer dude right over here in the water. He's like, oh, bro. I mean, talking just like that. Oh, bro. Oh, isn't it awesome that we, like, came from one of them? Oh, oh. As I'm sitting there on my board, I'm thinking, you mean I'm made in the image of Flipper? (laughs) Right? Like, I should be giving praise to Flipper. If those of you don't know, it's this TV show as a kid I watched, and it was actually before my time got to watch the rerun, so I'm not that old. But anyhow, um, yeah, whatever. Um, um, But where it came from God, he made you. Since you came to exist through God knitting you together, you've always got a reason to give thanks. Here's another reason. Verse 3 as well. We are his. We are his sheep. Verse 3 says we are his. That means God is sovereign. We are his people. God chose you to be his. We're chosen. Scripture talks about election. That God elects and chooses us. To be adopted as sons, as daughters into his forever family. You are the sheep of his pasture. That's what God's word tells us here. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. 
Unlike belief in deism where God came, showed up, and created everything and is then left and is impersonal unknown, the Bible teaches theism where God not only created everything, but he is still present and that he can be known through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we have here. We are his sheep. He's our shepherd and he can be known. That's a reason to give thanks to God. Here's a third reason why we should give thanks to God. In verse five, the rest of these are found in verse five. Verse five A, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Hebrew word tobe for good can also be translated desirable. God is desirable. It could also be translated God is friendly. You don't have to wonder what kind of mood is God. God's always welcoming and friendly. It could also be translated from this word, he is kind. So God is good. Friends, the moral nature of God is only good. Goodness is his character. Goodness is who he is. Sometimes people have asked the question, is there anything God can't do? Yes, he cannot not be good. That is impossible for God to do. He is always going to be good. So you can be thankful that it is impossible for God to be bad. The Lord is good. As we've sang up here in Mark's us, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. The fourth reason why we should give thanks to God is found in the next part of verse 5. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Forever, what kind of love is God's love? God's love is unconditional to you. God's love is gracious. God's love is redemptive. He's paid for you. Your sins are guaranteed and paid for. His love is perfect. His love is kind. His love is real. His love lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. As we think about perhaps this idea of this thing called Black Friday and shopping and all that's going to be going on with that, certain deals that you'll find will come with certain guarantees or products that will come with a guarantee or your money back. I always like the guarantees that are a lifetime guarantee, Right? Lifetime guarantee. All right, I'm not sure quite what you interpret to be lifetime, but I have an idea in my mind. Can I say to you, this might sound strange, that God's guarantees of his love is not a lifetime guarantee? It's not as though you live out your life and then it's up. It's a timeless guarantee that his love goes on forever and ever in the past, ever right now, and forever and ever in the future. It never ends. It's a timeless guarantee that his love endures forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It doesn't matter how long you live. His love for you still endures forever. I like that, right? I love that. Thank you, God. The last reason why we should give thanks is the last part of verse five. He is faithful to every generation. His faithfulness to all generations. His faithfulness is there. God is not fickle. 
God does not forsake the promises he's made. And then it's like, oh, nuts, I forgot about that promise. It stays with you forever. God has entered a covenant with those that are in Christ Jesus and he will never alter that or revoke what he has promised. It's a reason to thank God. A changeable God would be frightening. We would have no anchor of hope of security in who God is if he was to change because we live in a changing world. His faithfulness is there to every generation. I'm thankful to say that my grandparents knew this, of his faithfulness. My parents knew of his faithfulness. I'm knowing of his faithfulness. My kids are learning of his faithfulness. And their kids are going to learn, Lord willing, of his faithfulness. Because God's faithfulness goes from generation to generation to generation to generation. I love that. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are faithful like that. So that's Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. So how should you respond? How should I respond to the one who loves me unconditionally and provides for me faithfully, no matter what generation I'm in? Well, I want to submit to you that the only appropriate response is to give my all to him with a joyful heart of thanksgiving. That's the only appropriate response, to give my all to him with a joyful heart of thanksgiving. I'm not to hold anything back from God. I'm to offer all of me to him with a joyful heart of thanks. He's made me. I'm his sheep. He is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness carries on from generation to generation. It's endless. In other words, God is not suggesting, hey, you should give me thanks. I've done quite a bit. He's commanding us six times in this passage to respond wholly and completely. So what I want us to do as I wrap up here is to be obedient to what the scriptures tell us. To be obedient. To let us honor God's word. To do what the inscription of Psalms says. To give thanks. Uh, So here in your notes, you're going to see a section that says, let's give thanks. Do you see that? This is where you'd want to pull out your sermon notes if you've not been using them. And grab a pen in front of you. Because I want us to be, I want you to be obedient to what scripture says. To take a moment once in the year and say, God, I want to say something to you about how grateful I am of who you are and what you've done for me. So on that sheet you're going to see on your notes, what I want you to do is grab a pen, whatever you use to write with, pencil, whatever, and just simply write a little thank you note to Jesus. I started off as, dear Jesus, I want to thank you for. So you got that? Would you take a moment and find what Scripture says and write something to Jesus about what you're thankful for? Let's begin. Come and listen. Come and listen to what he's done. Come and listen.
Come and listen to see what he has done. Here's what I just want to do for a couple minutes. Um, I just want to have a time for us just to celebrate what God has done. What you're thankful for. So I've got the microphone here, and I just want to come into you for a moment uh, and just find a couple people uh, just to say, hey, here's something I wrote down that I'm thankful for. So, um, yeah, it's the mic. You're going to get to talk into it because I want everyone to hear that of what you said, Jesus, I'm thankful for this. So is there somebody to be willing uh, just to start us real quick, just to do that? Yeah, great. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us to be Christian. Love it. Great. Thank you, Jesus, for being my anchor in a fallen world. Thank you, Lord, for never giving up on me. Thank you for my life, my kids, my family, my friends, and my church. I want to thank you for the love and the gift of you, that you love me, know me, and that you forgive me. I just want to thank God for the privilege to pray for our country, our leaders, and the unsaved in this nation. Thank you, God, that I get to uh, Skype with my daughter and see my grandson who live in Pennsylvania so I can see them and um, talk to them and be part of their life. And thank you for the health and resources to serve you. I want to thank you, God, for joy and sorrow. For if I didn't know either one, I wouldn't know the other. Love that. There's so much that we can be thankful for, right? And God just instructs us to say, hey, take time like we're doing this week. Because that's my will for you in Christ Jesus is to give thanks in all circumstances. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to be obedient and to give you thanks, not only this week, but regularly, daily, 86,400 opportunities each day to give you thanks. Lord, we just want to take the opportunity today to do that. We want to take it again this Thursday with our family and friends as we gather around the table to give thanks to you. Oh, God, be exalted. Lord, be blessed with our thanksgiving to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.